morning. Uh, welcome to Wyatt. If you would turn your Bibles to John chapter 22, or I'm sorry, John chapter 10. Uh, we'll start reading at verse 22 and we'll uh, conclude uh, this chapter uh, of, John, of, of John. John chapter 10, verse 22. We're, I'm excited today. We've got a full membership matters class uh, that's uh, people attending, looking at membership here at Wyatt. We're, we're able to baptize. Uh, a couple of people. What a great, uh, what a great follow-up uh, to, to Easter Sunday we're having today. Um, excited about that. John, chapter ten, verse twenty-two. I don't think we have PowerPoint today, so I'm going to give you a little time to make sure you get there. All right, verse twenty-two. At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe the, the works that I do in my Father's name. Bear witness about me. But you not, do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, It is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said you are God, or you are God's? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, the scripture cannot be broken. Do you say of him whom the Father has consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am, I am the Son of God? If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first. And there he remained, and many came to him, and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true, and many believed in him there. Uh, this dialogue really, shifts, uh, really shows a shift in the, in the storytelling of John. Uh, this is really John, uh, the last time that John records for us uh, a big public teaching moment uh, for Jesus. Uh, after this dialogue, it's really gonna, there's going to be a shift and it's going to be more personal. And it's really going to just take some time headed towards the cross. And that's what his ministry is going to become very personal. And it's going to become about that final destination of the cross and but i think the the major theme in this final dialogue is the unity of the father and the son 
Christ says uh, in this text that He and the Father are one. He also says that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. And he almost gets stoned for it because he's talking so much about his unity with the Father. I want us to understand something is that God is three persons. Okay? The Father um, and the Son here, they're not the same person. Okay? That's not when Jesus says, I'm the Father in one. He's not saying that me and the Father are the same thing. When it comes to the Trinity, we know that God is not the Father. Or I'm sorry, wrong, heresy. The Father is not the Son. And the Son is not the Spirit. The Spirit is not the Father nor the Son. They are distinct personalities. They are persons. And yet, each one of them, if you are to take them in, in and of themselves, they are still have the fullness of deity. You don't have a, a little part of, 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 of the deity there. You have the fullness of the deity existing in each person of the Trinity. And, and those are things that we, we can't fully understand, but that are taught in Scripture that, that, that God... Uh, the Father and God the Son are not the same people, but they are fully divine, both of them. And their oneness here is, is, is not one of personality, but their oneness is in their deity. It's in their love. It's in their oneness for the mission that Christ was accomplishing. So the main idea this morning I, I want us to look at is that the Father and the Son are unified. And they're unified in securing a people for God through the mission and the works of Christ. The first thing I want you to notice is that they're unified in keeping us secure. We see that the Father and the Son are completely unified in their efforts to keep us secure in Christ. Look at verse 28 and 29. Verse 28 says, I give them eternal life. And they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. That's Jesus saying that no one is going to snatch them from his hand. And then he says in verse 29, My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. We, we must realize, though, that this security of, of being in God's hands does not apply to all. It applies to the sheep of God, those that belong to Him, those that have been put placed in His hand through faith in Jesus Christ. Sometimes when we talk of security in God, we sometimes will, will, will act as though that, hey, someone said a prayer, you know, when they were 13. There's been no repentance in their life since. They've not really shown any affection to Christ. But they're secure. They're secure because they said that prayer. And that's not why the security of, of our salvation is taught in Scripture to, to find security when we're not having affection for Christ, when we're not living a life of repentance. 
Anyone that lives a life without repentance and lives a life without affection for Christ needs to question themselves of whether or not they are secure in the hands of God. Not, not because they've somehow slipped through His fingers at some point. No. They need to question their security in God of wondering if they've ever really been in the hands of God to begin with, right? Because once you find yourself uh, through faith and through your connection to Christ, when you find yourself in the hands of God, you are secure, folks. You are absolutely 100% secure and you will not be lost. So the Son of Man, I love what he says here that it's really this double security, right? Because he talks about, hey, you're not going to be snatched from my hand. And then he talks about his father and he says, and you're not going to be snatched from his hand. That's as secure as it gets. We have a, I think we have a great security team at Wyatt, don't we? Amen? I mean, I come, I come here on, on Sundays and, and I see these people standing guard and, uh, and I, feel, I feel secure when I come in here. I know that they got the doors. Uh, they're watching the doors. To make sure nothing goes wrong, and I'm thankful for them. But that security stands nothing, is nothing compared to the double hands of God. The Son's hands and the Father's hands that are protecting us and keeping us in the love of God, keeping us His sheep, keeping us His people. What a glorious testimony of security. You see, when we believe in Christ, we become one with Him. Galatians 3.26 says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Christ will never deny us because He'll never deny Himself. Because we are in Him. We are in Christ and the Father absolutely will never deny us because He will not deny His Son and we are in His Son. But listen to me, you don't keep yourself, you don't keep yourself in the hands of God. I believe it was John MacArthur who said, if you could lose your salvation, you would. Amen? If I could lose it, I would. I know myself. I know my heart. We began by the work of Christ. We are kept daily by the work of Christ. And our glorification will be by the work of Christ. Salvation beginning and end is the work of God. We are safe because we are in His hands. Christian, while it's important to examine and to kick the tires of your faith, and it is, God does not want you to live in constant fear that you'll be lost. That's why he tells us verses like these that, that we're secure in his love. John wrote this gospel that we might believe and have life, not that we might believe and then constantly live in fear that we'll be lost. In fact, he wrote his first epistle of 1 John. He says, I write these things so that you may know that you have eternal life. 
God wants us to know that we're in his hands and he wants to know that we are, when we are in the hands of Christ and in the hands of the Father, that no one, no one is going to take us out. What a glorious joy to live a life uh, with that kind of security. Well, we don't use that security to sin, do we? May it never be. We use that security so that we can find our joy and, and love and satisfaction in Christ. We see that they were unified next in their mission of Christ. Jesus says in verse 30, uh, after he discusses how he and the Father are one uh, and, and are unified in securing us, he says, I and the, fa- I and the Father are one. At that statement, the Jews begin to pick up stones to stone him because of his heresy, making him and, and, and the Father one. So Jesus, in his defense, he brings up Psalm 82.6. And here's what Psalm 82.6 says, I said, you are God, sons of the Most High, all of you. So in the context of of Psalm 82, God is speaking to rulers. He's speaking to those that have been placed as judges, as uh, magistrates, and and he does, he calls them gods, little g. And so Jesus says, hey, you know, God called little magistrates that are mortal men that are going to die, he called He allowed them to be called God, so what's the big deal about me calling myself the Son of God? We want to be careful here because uh, heretics and Arians have have used this to try to say that Jesus in this moment was just equating himself to any other magistrate or judge that, that he's just a man. And that's not, that is not at all what Christ is saying here. And, and key to that is verse 36. He says, Do you say of him who the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? So what he's saying here, he's saying, hey, there are earthly rulers that God's allowed that in Scripture calls them God. How much more? I'm the one that's been consecrated and sent into the world. Okay, so he's saying, if they're allowed to be called little G's, gods, then absolutely, is it, how is it blasphemy for me, the one who was consecrated and sent into the world, to call myself God? He's saying they were a temporary representation of God's rule. Mortal men who died, and they were called gods. How much more will I, who am God in the flesh, be called God? That's his point. Notice here that the Father consecrated Jesus and sent him into the world. The Father and the Son, they were unified in this mission, in the consecration of of Christ and the sending, that mission of sending Christ. We see time and time in Scripture their unification in the ministry and mission of Jesus. 
we see their unity in how time and time again, right, we've seen it a lot in the Gospel of John of, of Jesus saying, hey, I'm only telling you what my Father gives me to tell you. Or he tells them, hey, I'm doing what my Father has told me to do. That's all I'm doing. I'm living in, the, in absolute perfect obedience to the Father. And we know he was doing that because the Father showed up. He showed up at Christ's baptism and said, I am well pleased. He showed up at the transfiguration and again says, this is my son and I am well pleased. And so there was this great obedience that the son had and, and dependence of everything he said and did. He wanted to do according to what the father had told him and asked him to do. We see it, the, their, their unification in the mission we see it in the Father sending him in that most famous verse, John 3.16, when it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life, that the Father willingly sent his Son because of his love for the world. We see it on the cross, right? We see it in the garden. Uh, the night before the cross, right, where hey, Jesus was struggling with the horrors that were about to befall him. He was, to be honest, he was not wanting to do it. Because he asked his father, he says, Father, if there's, if there's any other way, let's go with plan B. But if there's not, I'm all in on plan A. I'm going to be obedient to you. We see that unity that he was willing, even though it was going to be a hard, a horrible thing that he was going to have to go through the next day. He said, Father, your will be done. And we say, see that everything that happened was orchestrated by the Father. It was by the design of the Father. In Acts 2.23 it says that it all had happened according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. They were unified in their misery on the cross, right? Where obviously Christ felt misery through the torture, through the nails, and most of all being forsaken by His Father. He was in absolute misery but it was far from a picnic for the father because he had to bruise his son and it was so horrible that he had to look away he had to turn from his son because his son bore our sins and, and bore the wrath for our sins so they were unified in that mission of misery of Christ and they were both miserable in what had to be done but it was because of the great glory, glories that would come through it. It's important for us to realize that the unity in the, the for us to realize the unity in in the mission of Christ. It was not that the Father uh, was angry at mankind and then the Son intervened and said, "Well, I'll go fix it." And it's not as though the Father was desiring to save mankind and. And Jesus, I guess I'll do it, and went and did it begrudgingly. 
like a teenager cleaning the bedroom. No, they were unified. They were perfectly unified in their desire to, for the Son to come and for the Son to live and to die and to save mankind. They were unified. We also see that, that they were unified in the works of Christ. And Jesus presents them with this evidence of who he is because of the things he's done, right? It says in verse 37, If I'm not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. Jesus here is just going to the simplest evidence. Okay, just forget everything else. Just look at what I've done. What has he done? We've seen him in the Gospel of John change water into wine at, with his first sign in John chapter 2. We saw him healing the royal official's son in Capernaum in John chapter 4. We saw him heal the per, uh, paralytic uh, at Bethesda in John chapter 5. Saw him feeding the 5,000 with just a few fish and loaves in John chapter 6. We saw him walking on the water in John chapter 6. We saw him healing the blind man from birth in John chapter 9. And very soon we'll see him raise Lazarus from the dead. Jesus says, look, just look at what I've done. There's people running around here that know that these things happen. You can, you can look up this blind man. Go find him. You can look up the paralytic. Go, go find him. Go find his family. Go, go look and see if I really did these things. And if I did these things, then believe on the works, and then you can come to know and understand who I really am. I love what he says here. He said, believe the works that you may know and understand the Father is in me and I am in the Father. He invited them to reason. Jesus is not afraid of people thinking through who he is. He's not afraid of you using your mind when you think through, is the gospel true? Is, it what, was Christ who he said he was? It's He's not against that. He doesn't fear that. But he invites us to, to come to know and come to understand through reason. So what he's inviting them to do, look at what I've done and then kind of trace all that out and see if I am who I say that I am. And lastly, they are unified in their pursuit of believers. It says after this, Dialogue, he went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first. And there he remained, and many came to him, and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true, and many believed in him there. So after Jesus leaves this final public teaching moment, he went back to a familiar place the place where John had been baptizing and doing ministry, likely the site of, of Jesus' own baptism. It's interesting that, that Jesus, as his ministry takes this, this turn, 
says, turn towards the cross. That he just goes back to this familiar place, this place of peace. Where John did his ministry, where John announced uh, his identity as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It, it reminds me of so many movies, right? You kind of have the setup to like the final quest or the final battle, and our hero, he just kind of goes back, goes to this peaceful place just to meditate and to get ready for that final quest, that, that final battle. And I don't know, maybe, maybe that's why Jesus returned to this place. Maybe it was just on the way. I don't know. But what does he find there? He finds these people that, loose, that, that used to listen to John. It says that many came to him. And they admit that, that John was not a man of signs, not a man of miracles. He was a man of words. He was a man that just simply preached. He simply preached the, the message of repentance and, and re, preached the coming of Christ. He just preached. Yet, they remember his words about Jesus. They look upon Jesus and the signs he had done and it says many believed in him there. Many believed in him there in that moment. And I think that's awesome. Because John is gone. By this time, not only has his minute, had his ministry decreased, his head had been taken off of his body and put on a platter. He was dead and gone, body in the grave. And yet his testimony continues to ring true. And people believe on Christ because of the preaching of John. Folks, let's be people that so boldly and passionately proclaim Christ that our impact on the, on the, on the kingdom lives long after us. As Count Zinzendorf said, preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. Preach the gospel. Die and don't, don't worry about yourself. Preach the gospel. Nothing you can do in life can live as long as you being someone who shares the gospel of Christ. Folks, we're a church that seeks to love God, that seeks to love others, that seeks to make disciples. If you will be a person like John the Baptist who was engaged in those efforts to love God, love others, and make disciples, you'll not only live, you'll not only have your effect felt after your death, it'll be rippled throughout all of eternity as people, the disciples that you made and disciples that your disciples made for all of eternity will be praising Christ. Be praising God for all of eternity and finding joy in Him. 
Folks, the the Father and, and the Son are unified. They were, they're unified in their security of us. They're, they were unified in Christ's mission and, and His works. And they're unified in their desire to see us take that message to talk about who Christ really was, the Son of God, to a world that so desperately needs it. So let us be folks that make that love others, or love God, love others, and make disciples and tell others of the unified work of the Father and the Son to save us. Please stand as our musicians come. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God. I thank you for the work of Christ. I thank you for the security of his love, the works that he did, the mission that he accomplished. God, I pray that, that, that we would all be like John, that even after we're long gone, God, that the kingdom will feel the effects of, of people that were nothing special. That had no power in and of ourselves, but that proclaimed your glorious and powerful gospel to others. God, help us. We carry that message to a world that so desperately needs it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Just